You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Brigman. And on today's show, we are going to be speaking with Anaj Bhatia from Verizon. Anaj is the uh, partnering lead in business development, go-to-market for tech alliances uh, for, for Verizon. Uh, Minaj, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me on this podcast. I'm uh, really excited to be here today. I love tech partnerships. I love people that love technology. So I've really enjoyed uh, the conversations that, that we've had. If you would, I'd like to just kind of start there and ask you to you know, paint a picture for, for our listeners of the background that, uh, that you have and what led you into the, the partnering role that you're in now. Yeah. So um, if you look at my, you know, background, I mean, I started my career more as a technology architect. And so I, you know, I'm a, I'm a software engineer by heart, you know, that's how I, I started my uh, career in the industry. Then I moved more towards business development and, and technology marketing uh, side of things and gradually entered into the partnering slash alliances uh, framework. And um, within that space for the last 20 years, I mean, I've been in that, you know, partnering mindset and um, in managing partnerships and alliances. I've worked, I've been fortunate to have worked in companies like Cisco that gave me a good foundation on how things work in, in sort of channels um, framework in the in technology partnering framework in, you know, developer network framework. Um, so I've been um, lucky to be there to have sort of gotten a good foundation on partnering. And then I also worked in a two other companies, um, one which is more uh, of a traditional uh, general electric industrial manufacturing company that gives you a different mindset and, and very famously known as GE mindset of, of working. And then um, another, my current stint is at Verizon where uh, another very you know, great innovative company on telecom side. And so really being a telecom wireless service provider mindset, uh, industrial manufacturing uh, sourcing mindset of GE and then a high tech industry and channels-driven industry mindset from Cisco. So all three kind of together gave me a, a pretty good uh, handle on, on how things really work in the industry and what exactly are the challenges and how do we really solve those challenges in a good, effective way. Manoj, what, what is your your background that, that took you into these businesses? It, yeah, so um, I'm an electrical engineering by degree, and then I went to business school. I did my, uh, you know, MBA from, uh, you know, Keenan Flagler Business School here in Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina. So UNC gave me the MBA degree, and then engineering foundation was good for me to be in the tech industry um, and, and sort of get started on the software uh, engineering background. But together, I would say, you know, over a period of time, I have realized that, you know, I it's 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 only the curiosity factor that has actually helped me you know go more and more deeper into this this mindset of how companies are actually partnering how they're working what exactly is the way a good technology uh, framework or a product really goes to the market and and can they do it by themselves do they need help from a big company do they need help from a smaller company do they really need an ecosystem uh, and even now stretching out to companies you know where you want to partner or you want to be in like a VC community or angel investors, or how do you really, if you're a startup, how do you really get to see that mindset of, you know, getting successful in, in that community as well? So 
I've been very curious on, on, you know, not only the business models from selling perspective, but also uh, partnering business models in, in um, you know, in VC and an entrepreneurial community as to how they uh, build an ecosystem there of, of, uh, of startups. So um, startups are also, you know, um, is, is where all the innovation starts. And so I am, I'm really, uh, you know, excited about uh, being, uh, being in that mix as well, along with the big companies who, um, who actually are living and breathing in ecosystem development. So interesting, whenever we think about, you know, these big companies and having all of these resources, uh, I guess your first inclination would be, well, you know, these, these huge companies, these Fortune 500s, Fortune 100s, they have all the resources in the world. Why isn't all of the innovation coming there, you know, from there? Mm-hmm. But it seems that so many times I lean back on my career, you know, at Sprint, uh, we were looking at to small companies. We were looking to startups. We were looking to these uh, much smaller, much more agile and creative organizations for the innovation, for the product innovation uh, that, that we could then extend on to our clients. Well, just pick your brain a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you working with these large organizations throughout your career. How do you think about innovation? And then how have you leaned on the you know, smaller organizations as a means to bring innovation into uh, the various companies? I think that's a, that's a great question. I think the only reason what is stopping these large companies or any large company for that matter to, to be you know, much more nimble and agile in developing um, new innovations or sometimes you know, bringing in partners for that innovation aspect is because of just the processes, just the processes and, and you know, the, the tools, the sort of the bureaucracy that sort of gets in their way. Uh, it, it's really not uh, the lack of curiosity. It's not like the lack of interest in, in innovation. It is always the process issues that actually um, really, you know, become like a you know, hurdle or a roadblock, which, which they find themselves are kind of struggling to fix or even you know get rid of those harder you know roadblocks to you know facilitate faster you know innovative development and um, some companies some organizations you know some business leaders would would come once in a while bring that flash of you know um, excitement and and really uh, forward thinking mindset and can change the game i mean we we do see we have excellent business leaders in the industry who actually have made a big impact in large companies. And, and if you think through that, I mean, you would see those nuggets of, um, those nuggets of innovation, those nuggets of, you know, risk-taking and, and people trying to fight the, against the system sometimes. Um, but essentially, um, large companies, I have seen leadership really believing in that. It's not that they don't believe in that aspect. They definitely believe in the aspect it's always um, the execution side, which is um, sometimes muddled with, uh, you know, bureaucracy or or the processes, the tools, the the fact that you have to, you know, pull in ten different teams to make it happen, uh, the fact that you have to go through all the legal and regulatory, uh, you know, uh, approvals to make sure that you know everything is documented. You you got sort of you know approvals from everyone. I mean that those things take time and and just. That, that creates a mindset that, well, we're not nimble enough and hence we need to go out. So yeah. um, it's, it's just that, you know, a self-deprecating prophecy, some prophecy sometime that you, you really don't, um, you know, are not really taking enough risk or not really becoming more of a game changer 
to drive uh, drive things faster. Yeah, I think that's so true. We say that you know partnering is a culture, and I think that innovation is also a culture. You know, it seems that a lot of large organizations yeah. uh, they 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 want things clean, and we know that innovation is messy. They want to avoid risk, and we know that uh, risk is right in the center of innovation. We're going to fail more times than than not. But uh, yeah, thank thank goodness we have opportunities to partner to team with other. Uh, organizations that are bringing that innovation in. But Aj, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit. Uh, you know, let, let's dig into to the ecosystem topic and e- ecosystem concepts. And from the smaller business perspective, wanting to come in and, and play in the ecosystem space, or you know, we all see tons of different opportunities on the SaaS side and, and companies wanting to stand up platforms, uh, essentially stand up their own ecosystem. What's, uh, you know, what are some things that you've ran into over the last few years? What's your thoughts on ecosystems and, uh, you know, smaller organizations? So this is one of my favorite topic, you know, and I will give some credit to my, you know, esteemed colleagues that, you know, when I was at GE, I met some great business leaders there. And, uh, you know, one of, you know, my, uh, my boss who was there at, you know, at GE, you know, he gave me this idea of, of, you know, creating an ecosystem from ground up and, and the analogy, and which is very you know common analogy right now, is you know, and then you can see that ecosystem word as such was coined more from that aquarium mindset, right? You have a fish bowl, you have a big fish, and there are a few other things in that you know a bowl, um, and it's an aquarium. Everybody is living happily. There is you know there's fish, there's rocks, there are some plants, there's water. Um, you know everything is is um, is is nicely set up, and everybody is happy there, coexisting. Um, and and there is no not that much of contention and so you know the word ecosystem is definitely you know I would say born in that sort of the biology uh, mindset right that you know you have an uh, environment where everybody thrives now if you build on that you know in in especially in tech industry where I'm uh, coming from you uh, you you need certain uh, groundwork for for setting up that ecosystem you know like okay well i i need some some stones some gravel some water to to really set it up and and then you you absolutely have a vision that you know this ecosystem means that you know i have large small mid sized company some technology companies some services companies some learning and development companies um, some companies who are on the edge some of who are on the backbone some are in the cloud, some are in the you know uh, consumer side. Um, there are all kinds of uh, you know e- you know companies with different DNA in that ecosystem. And you, so you you when you talk about ecosystem, you visualize that that aquarium in which ten different you know players are there, all happily coexisting. What we don't pay attention to in in that ecosystem is that to make it thrive or to make it you know constantly you know thriving you do have to to not only set up certain rules um, which would be very you know cliched but you also have to um, you know nurture that system right I mean you have to make sure that you know the water levels are good the chlorine is all you know in the right way there are, there are rocks which are good I mean there's no you know uh, you know disease or germs or anything else you know creeping in somebody is, um, is, is going on a different tangent and that should not be happening. And so there are many ways to uh, sort of 
take care of that ecosystem and some rules and some um, some process checks you can say um, governance we may use the word a lot you know uh, ecosystem governance or alliance management and governance needs to be in place now that's where all the problems start right <laughs> we know the ecosystem we know the players we have done some sort of tiering we know that there are five different kinds of plays in this ecosystem um, we have certain ground rules we have set up we have um, uh, agreements slash contracts slash governance ideas that we have set up um, but even then we are not able to make that ecosystem thrive because either something is happening which is breaking the you know the rules or something is happening which is not making us thrive or as a whole you know ecosystem how do we really measure that this ecosystem that we created from ground up is um, is is successful is is it really meeting slash exceeding the goals have we really you know um, hit our goals in in making a very good thriving ecosystem now you realize that in creating an ecosystem, you were busy in setting up everything. I mean, you were setting up the aquarium with stones and water and everything. Obviously, you may not have paid too much attention on how the, what would be the end goal, right? You know, your end goal could be that, well, this ecosystem is basically a potential $50 million worth of opportunity for us. It'll, it'll help us grow by $50 million, you know, annually, or you can come up with some number you know, uh, because I'm the ecosystem owner or I'm the large company kind of leading it. But what if I try to um, build that, you know, matrixed way of, of direct relationships between the companies A, B, and C. And that's where I think, the you know, the industry needs to, um, to put some more, uh, I would say, best practices or, or certain ideas that how easy it is for me to not only lead my conversation of alliance management with the company A, but allow that company A to work with another company in my ecosystem and, and really get that piece to work faster and, and really make sure that, you know, they, uh, they, they connect for, for, you know, better sales growth. Now, and I, as I said, you know, many times these ecosystem uh, ground up creation work, um, we we do pay attention to the rules we do pay attention to the processes we do it and pay attention to who gets in who gets out um, but we 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 do we do not pay enough attention as to what would it take to nurture through this journey uh, a year from now right i mean you can start the work you can make a lot of splash about the ecosystem that has been created but say 12 months from now when it comes to reevaluating the goals, where you stand, where we are, how much progress have we made, what uh, are the areas in which we have invested in, in you know, giving that kind of fertilizer to the to the you know to that you know ecosystem to really get them nourished um, uh, nourished to that level. So that's that's something which you know always intrigues me as to what are those ideas which would. Uh, which are those nourishment ideas or nurturing ideas um, for making that ecosystem thrive? Yeah, the ecosystem piece, it's you know, a fascinating topic. And I think people that can build them from the, from the ground up and make them successful, 
they absolutely have some skills. There's, there's a lot that you said there, you know, I think to, to unpack one of the things that, that I would like to see more executives do is get more aligned on the strategy of what is being created based upon the need and the market. You know, I think so many mm-hmm. times, generally speaking, I think a lot of partnering initiatives, they fail because at least one of the partners, the executive team just doesn't afford the runway that it will mm-hmm. take for the initiative to be, yeah. a, to be a success. And by definition, let's say, you know, you have an ecosystem that comprises of six players, which is relatively small, six players, but by definition, you are dependent on each other. And so it just takes one of those six, a lot of times that can spoil the whole, <laughs> spoil the whole initiative, spoil the whole strategy, then either you have to find a replacement or you scrap it. Um, either way, it's a significant resource drain. Uh, Minaj, how much, how much work do you think uh, needs to be done or is a component of that really just getting clear on that vision and having almost kind of like that orchestrator, that lead company, that lead organization for putting that, uh, you know, that ecosystem together, how much more work needs to be done or what, what percentage of the equation of when it doesn't work, how much of that can be fixed by just having better conversations on the front end and really getting clear of what this journey is going to look like as best that we know. Cause I, I completely agree with you. We don't really know what the full potential is, until we put all of our resources yeah. together and see how people respond to it. Yeah, I think um, you know your the, the your question around the fact that you know if you have six companies and all of them have you know six uh, you know each of them has like a one runway and and so in a way you are sort of managing six runways right and these six parallel tracks are going on um, supposedly on on one common ecosystem goal or or the partnership goal. But these six runways that you have uh, each have a different um, structure. Each have a, you know has a has a different sort of you know vision, and and maybe they align themselves on a common vision. But that runway that they have, you know, is 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 could be different for for each of them. And I don't want these runways to work in isolation. That's the whole point of ecosystem. That you know if 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 um, these six runways have been created. Um, don't let these six runways be totally going in on their own. They, these runways need to know what is happening on the other track, even if these tracks are totally independent, right? You know, I'm, I'm a cloud service provider company. I'm doing cloud so- services. My other company is more like a hardware, you know, uh, consumer premises equipment company. The other company, you know, other partnership is, is totally consumer edge software, you know, mobile app company. None of them have an intersection in their minds on on these things. All of them are working with the common with a common ecosystem goal, and and so they, from an ecosystem provider, you are actually doing a co-sell, or you're doing a partnership framework. But you are not letting these six parallel tracks to talk to each other, um, to even know what what is happening on the other tracks. Um, to even explore the idea that, well, maybe there is some way if, if I work with this other track, maybe it will help me, you know, like if I'm a, a hardware manufacturer, I, if I work with a cloud service provider who is also working with this company, 
maybe there is a way we can stitch the solution better, or maybe there is a way we, where we can fit into that story as well. I, the, the thing, the last thing that you want in, in, you know, uh, in that ecosystem development is the fear of isolation. If you think about it, I, ecosystem was created with this idea I am that I'm happy with my own goal, but I must know what is happening in, the, in, the, in that aquarium as well. I must know what the others are doing. I must be aware that you know, there is a possibility that I could work with somebody who is also there in that ecosystem. And that's the, the reason I, I always prefer companies who actually um, have, a, have a stretch goal or think a little bit different from their traditional mindset and, and kind of think that, hey, maybe this is an idea worth pursuing or worth exploring, even though it is not in, um, in our DNA, it is not the core competency of ours, but hey, it's worth exploring. That's the area where I think people have to really wake up now because um, uh, because every company um, is is getting converged into some of these big hyperscaler ecosystems, right? You know, so if you look look around, you know, like you know AWS's ecosystem or Microsoft or Google. I mean, these are big companies. They have you know they're partnering with not a few you know, tens and 20 companies. I mean, there are like hundreds, maybe thousands of companies who are lining up, signing up for, for being part of this ecosystem. So now it, it becomes extremely important for, for these partner development leads to, to really do some, uh, you know, uh, just not wear those blinders and not really be on those, those, that runway that you have been given. You actually have to look at other runways also. And come up with this idea of, of you know hey this is my platform of partnership management i do want to see what you as a partner manager are, are you know working and what kind of successes you have and so that my partner can talk to your your partner right so um i really encourage you know i the, those ideas of um, sort of co-partnering and, and co-selling uh, in where you you think a little different don't don't just say that you know i'm partnering it is my product I, w- I would like to fit my product into your big product or, or in your solution, and then we can do a joint solution selling. Um, it, it's always good to, um, to do that, you know, more than one partner coming into the solution and more than one partner talking to each other, you know, in that mindset. And to the point that you made earlier, if, if we're in an, an ecosystem partnership with others, it's really upon us. We have, we should yeah. feel a sense of obligation to provide value to and to look out for our other partners to, to help them grow their business through connections, different resources, whatever yeah. the case may be. I mean, literally it's cliche to say, but you know, rising tide, you know, raises all ships. And you know, whenever we truly yeah. become dependent on each other, uh, that, that value seems to come back around if, if we're looking out for others. But that's one, one last question I want to ask you before we let you go. And that is, you know, there's, it's interesting how contracting is evolving. And, you know, I heard you mention that a few uh, minutes ago, but, you know, if we have, uh, we're stepping into a, an ecosystem relationship and there's, let's say six players, uh, seems like we're, we're not there. We're not quite there as, you know, a group of professionals of putting together complex contracts where we necessarily have a single agreement with six players to that. Are you still seeing, or there's you know kind of this orchestrator or this larger company 
And then they essentially are the main contracting body trying to keep everything organized, uh, trying to keep the aquarium organized, as you put it, <laughs> and just signing individual yeah. contracts. Yeah. Yeah. This is a still, still a major, major um, roadblock right now, uh, contracting work. Um, and I feel for, for the teams, I have, I've led those teams as well. I worked a lot with these teams as to how they really create that, that, uh, you know, the deal life cycle uh, stuff and figure out like how these contracts should be put in place. How do we really accelerate work and, and, you know, not have a, have a roadblock there. Um, the good news here is that, you know, many of these contractual work, um, a lot of that has been automated now electronically. I mean, thanks to companies like, you know, DocuSign and others who have made it so simple that, you know, you don't have to fax you know, documents, you don't even have the email, it's all on the web and things, things do happen fast there. So, so kudos to those, um, those efforts. Now, if you look at the contractual language and the areas which always, uh, you know, become a concern when when people are doing it, and of course there are templates, there are there are supplier agreements, there are contractual agreements, um, there are high level. Hey, I want to be part part of your you know ecosystem, and so here is my ecosystem uh, partnership agreement, and call it like a simpler version of, of a MSA, you know, like a master services agreement. So there are, there are contracts which are in place and, and people do have questions sometimes on legal perspective to, to you know, do some red marks and check, check on those items. I've never seen one contract which has become so solid and so traditional and so, you know, loved by all that, you know, hey, this is my template. I give it to 10 different companies in my ecosystem. Everybody signs it on day, day one. We're good to go. It's, it's usually always, you know, people looking at that and, and reviewing and taking time. Um, I would urge the, the, the industry and, and the people in that department, sourcing department, to um, wear a slightly different hat when, when working with the partners of today. You know, the, things have changed in the industry in, in the sense that, you know, I mean, there are many, many different trends of, of cloud and, and hyperscalers and, and working with large companies, um, which we can discuss in detail. But if you look at from a sourcing department or sourcing person's mindset of how he or she should drive these contracts, they need to be a little bit more um, lenient in, in driving these. You know, So I've seen them getting a little bit, um, say, say uh, blinded by this idea that if I change the rules now, or if I change anything on the contract, you know, I would be on the chopping block or my, my con, you know, my job is at stake if I don't really get this right. And that's where I think, you know, some executive alignment is needed where somebody from executive side should say that, well, yes, we are getting this contract passed through the sourcing group or the contractual group, but this is an ecosystem partner. This is a contract which should not demand so much of, of, of scrutiny, or there are certain rules which have been changed now for this kind of partnering. And hence, we don't really have to worry about it, or we don't really have to think um, too deep about it. Now, one can argue that you know big companies are always risk averse, and they should be risk averse, and they should not allow these kind of you know deviations from the contract. But that's where I think the leadership needs to come in. 
big misalignment. I've spent my entire yeah. career here and we, yeah. we work and coach so many of our clients through this. And that is yeah. to your point, partnering is messy and risky. Innovation is messy and risky. What is an attorney's job to mitigate and try to eliminate risk? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And so the, the problem with this whole case is attorneys have no way to win. What do I mean by yeah. that? Attorneys can only lose by letting these partnerships go through because mm-hmm. if the deal, if this, if this, let's say this ecosystem or this partnership stood up and it makes a billion dollars, awesome. Nobody ever goes back to the lawyer and pats him on the back saying, awesome job getting this deal done. But yeah. if there's a lawsuit or if something goes bad, something goes right. south, everyone you know is, is asking about who 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 authorized this through. So yeah, absolutely. I could yeah. agree with you more there, Abnaj. Yeah. We need to rethink, executives need to rethink what partnership and ecosystem agreements look like. Yeah. And this is where that co-sell model comes in, you know, which uh, Microsoft is obviously uh, proposing a lot. But you could see that idea that if, if, if I'm doing a co-sell, you know, I actually undermine that risk uh, management piece uh, in the sense that I'm basically ensuring that I'm doing my piece of the you know, solution, you're doing your piece of the solution. And if something goes wrong, then we would know where things have gone wrong. And we would also make sure that, you know, the risk of, of that downside is, um, is, is, you know, pretty much well known in the beginning itself. And it won't, there won't be any sort of finger pointing. Right? So I, I think there is, um, there is some value in, in looking at these new constructs where you actually have to go through legal review, but there is an idea that, well, maybe there is a way to to navigate through this and um, and and help understand the industry as to how things would work um, it's 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 an area of, of work for sure at this time I would you know I would encourage uh, you know uh, business leaders we're all kind of working in that mindset I think my my take would be that I would really spend some time in um, in educating and and coaching some of these sourcing uh, and contractual teams, and to give them some alignment on the vision and as to what the big company's thinking, I, I think nobody goes to them. Nobody goes and tells them that this is the reason why we partnered. This is the reason why we are thinking of partnering with this, and this is our long-term vision. And hence, you as as the contractual department would um, should know that this is how um, this is the end, what end goal is i think we, we haven't spent enough uh, you know time and resources in um in, in coaching them and and enabling them yeah completely agree Raj, it's uh, been great spending some time with you. Thank you so much sure. for uh, for sharing your Pleasure. insights. And uh, it'll be fun to, to watch all the great work that you continue sure. to do there at Verizon. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Partnernomics Podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics Podcast, visit partnernomics.com. <laughs>